I always said that my audience is even gay people that don't get along with other gay people, and I'm one of them. Too much gaily correctness makes me crazy, too. What, are gay people losing their sense of humor? They have to be perfect now? I'm for gay villains. I think we, it's healthy to admit there's bad gay movies. Gay's not enough. It's a good start. Pride Month. It's still Pride Month, so we're still doing a Pride Month episode. Yeah. You know what I've come to really love about Pride Month this year in particular? That sounds, I don't know, maybe, like, maybe. sounds like a love that you oh, really mean. I really mean this love. Um, I don't know if this has been like as big a problem every year, but maybe it's because we're all cooped up inside and all our Pride exposure is online. And I think maybe because a lot of people are more terminally online during this pandemic than they possibly were before. But I love how Pride Month means Pride Discourse. Let's get into that discourse. And, um, Jesus Christ, I hate it. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. Yeah. How, how, what's your reaction been to the Pride Discourse that we've been facing? A lot of eye-rolling, a lot of, like, oh, this again, joy. Yeah. I suppose we should, uh, maybe elaborate on what we mean by Pride Discourse. Um, yeah. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on exactly what pride should be and who it should cater to. And, or who it should inc even include. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying I don't have my opinions as, sure. as everyone does. Um, but it seems like the same conversation happens year after year and there's never any, like, anything close to resembling some kind of, like, not even consensus, but just, like, resolution even. Like, it just needs yeah. to be consensus, but... It feels like every time the matter's put to bed, either it just it, returns yeah. or new people It's, like, are the only reason it's it. put to bed is because people, like, lose interest in talking to it, nothing actually... Or talking about it, nothing actually, like, comes from it, other yeah. than yeah, it, it's, a whole bunch um, of people get mad, a whole bunch of people get their feelings hurt, and then we get to do it all again next year. Yeah, it's put to bed because we have ended Pride Month, and now we're back to the 11 months of homophobia. So, yeah. you know... Uh, but the big one that, uh, this actually won't be today's episode, but I've been planning a future episode about mm -hmm. this, but the big one's the, the no kink of pride mm -hmm. kind of thing. That sucks. Like, why did we get to the point of, like, assimilationism and respectability politics as mm -hmm. pride parade? You know, pride, the thing based on riots where radically yeah. queer people were like, fuck the cops. Well, it didn't, I can't, I'm, I'm blanking now. I should have, like, researched it properly, but I was yeah. reading something the other day about how you know, the first Pride, it wasn't even called Pride, it was, like, a freedom march, essentially, yeah. and then it got rebranded as Pride, and another thing I learned recently was, um, so the, because you know how there's, another thing that keeps happening is they keep, like, changing the Pride flag to be, like, increasingly yeah, more and more inclusive, inclusive yeah. which is cool, um, but the original Pride flag, so we think of that as just the, the rainbow, right? Yes. There used to be, the, the very first Pride flag was a rainbow with more colors in it, and two of those colors were eliminated because each color stands for something, right? Yeah. And two of the colors that were eliminated, I don't remember off the top of my head which colors they are specifically in the rainbow, but I believe the meanings associated with the colors, one was one was sex and one was magic. 
And those were eliminated. Oh, I love that there's magic. Right? That's Literally. so cool. And, I, and so finding out that those two specifically were eliminated because it's not, because, you know, you had people who, the politicians and stuff who were like, okay, okay, I kind of want to, like, support you guys, but I can't support that. Yeah, it's 100% that, like, oh, I'm not a homophobe, but I don't want to see it. Yeah, Do yeah, it in yeah. your own home. Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, it's like, hey, check out this billboard for heterosexuality. Yeah, exactly. AKA every billboard American ever, pretty apparel. much. What up? But that comes up a lot, and it gets frustrating, and it gets annoying. And I think the reason I'm bringing up discourse, also, you know, I think it's something to mention as we end out Pride. But also, there's another discourse that is the focus of this episode that I've seen time and time again. Yeah, it's not limited Pride, to Pride Month. But it's really seemed to spike lately. Mm-hmm. And that is representation in media and what that can look like. Yes, what that's allowed to look like. Basically what I'm seeing far too many people argue for is that it all has to be positive and good. There's... Specifically if you're representing LGBTQ plus so on individuals. It has has to be be happy, nice behavior. Yeah, wholesome. Yeah, it's basically, and this isn't a knock against this property, I've never actually seen it, so I can't say anything, but it feels like... Everyone just wants everything to be Steven Universe from now on, forever. <laughs> and it's like, I'm good. Which is like, know? yeah, I haven't really engaged Like, I'm glad that exists for the yes. people that like it. Sounds it sounds like it's but... doing the thing it very much yeah. needs to be doing. Yeah. I'm happy it exists. I'm happy people love it. Yeah. Not a knock on them, but... Definitely not. But to be like, this is prescriptive of what all queer LGBTQ plus media yes. yeah. representations have to look like... It's trying. Yeah. And it's like, and, it, and and again, not that the, not that like the creators of Steven Universe are saying this. It's just that it's that, that kind of representation is being used as like, well, this has to be like the blueprint. Yes, exactly. And if it, if it deviates from this, then we have a problem. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's what, what is being talked about. And yeah. Okay. There's this idea going on that any representation of negative aspects of society or aspects of people is there for endorsement of it uh-huh. and uh you know it's the idea is like oh um this character is racist in a movie therefore the movie is racist We're this character racism. is misogynist yes. this movie endorses misogyny and it's like american psycho anyone yeah it's one of those things where it's like yeah okay i'm not saying that i think it would also be easy for people that are making racist or misogynist works to be like oh i'm i'm writing a fiction you yeah, know? Like, yeah, I, yeah i think there's nuance to it that yeah that can be a problem sure. a movie can endorse those things but it doesn't mean that's inherent to it. And it, it reflects poorly, I think, on the world in general and on people if the base assumption is that everybody's acting in bad faith. Oh my god, I could, I could like, record a uh, 10-part serial-esque podcast on all the times I've experienced that in my life. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm a fucking, like, Debbie Downer pessimist glass, like... I'm a piece of shit when it comes to that. But even, like, I'm just like, oh, that's that's bleak if that's what we're always assuming. Especially, you know, as a couple of creatives who like mm-hmm. to create things in various formats, the idea that, like, people would assume that someone who's, you know, creating something is going to be automatically acting in bad faith. Yes. It's like, that sucks. That, that makes me not want to put my stuff out there. Yeah. Oh, it's frustrating. But the thing that I find extra is when it comes to um, queer representation. Mm-hmm. When we see queer representation, there's... Okay, I saw this Tumblr post going around. I see it reposted every few months where it's basically saying, yeah, queer stories cannot have tragic endings. 
queer characters cannot be seen to be negative or bad people. Yeah, we need a moratorium on that. Because yeah. the straight cishets ruined it. That's 100% it. They're saying, like, you want to write a queer tra- tragedy? Sorry, the cishets ruined it. And it's just like, wow, way to give them all the power. Yeah, exactly. So you're giving ownership of it to them. I, I'm much more into the idea that it's like, yeah, I don't want cishets telling our queer stories as like, you know, like tragedy porn to win Oscars kind of thing. Fuck it, yeah. they've done, they've ruined that for themselves. Yeah, or all the, you know, the que- queer-coded villains and like yeah. haze code shit. Yeah, but like the idea of watching a movie where everyone is perfectly unflawed and everyone is just happy together and then it ends on that same happy note, it sounds like the most boring movie right, ever like, fucking made. Fucking point. Where's the conflict? Where are the flaws? Yeah. The two, Where, where's the yeah. literal humanity? Yeah, exactly. Like my two favorite things when it comes both to watching media and writing, creating my own stuff is I want flawed characters and I want, you know, I want the ending to be earned into the thing, I'll the end mm-hmm. to say something, and I want there to be conflict yeah. leading to said ending. And it's such, like, it's such a Western thing, too. Yeah. Like, it's so, like, Western-centric and, and like, individualistic. Because we, in the West, going off of my understanding from, you know, my psych stuff and studies and whatever, yeah. we have a really, really, really difficult time being able to hold the fact that people aren't perfect they are mm-hmm. they're not either good or bad mm-hmm. yeah there's like an intrinsicness where it's like you are a bad person or you're a good person yeah as and opposed it's, to, it can flip at this you know like a, yeah, the drop of a hat as opposed to like you know we're all kind of more in the middle there and we yeah. do bad and good things yeah and you know? that that's not and then if you do do something bad that's does that automatically make you a bad, bad person or do you have a chance to repair and yeah. do, learn to do better and conversely, if you do good things, does it mean you're therefore incapable of doing wrong? Yeah. And does it mean that you shouldn't be held to account when you do bad things? Because, oh, but look at all the good they've done. Right. You know, like, that's just as garbage. Like, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous, both ends of the extreme. And uh, I think it's that conflict, that flaw, you know? Character mm-hmm. flaws, they're important. I think it's great to see movies where characters have flaws and they potentially grow from them. Mm-hmm. Or they specifically don't grow for them from them and that's kind of the point showing how they're unable to move beyond their flaws yeah, for whatever reason i think both of those uh different ends um apply to some of the movies we're talking about today mm-hmm. yeah so i guess should we get into it sure cool okay so the three movies we're covering today uh the topic the theme that is going to tie them together is the concept of the queer dirtbag the idea of flawed characters that whether they're trying their best or they're just being gross, the idea that, yeah, these queer characters, in this case it's usually sapphics, I think, for all three movies, they can be they can be trash bags. They can be trash heaps. They don't have to be perfect people, and it makes them that much more interesting to watch, in my opinion. Yes. Won't say likable, but we'll say interesting. Definitely not likable, yeah. Uh, some cases I found them likable. Other cases I found they were like, oh, I hated these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the movies in particular. Mm. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, this is actually kind of growing out of our original topic of the dirtbag diva. Yeah, the, uh, who is usually likable. Yeah, the the, the term that w- that we coined, damn it! If you see other people using it, we fucking coined it. Agreed. <laughs> but that idea is, you know, the female antihero because male antiheroes have been allowed to exist for a long time, where they can be as horrible and ruthless, or as kind of in murky waters as possible, mm-hmm. and still be seen as multifaceted characters or comments on something. Mm-hmm. Whereas for women, they're just bitches. They just get like, oh, it's like, oh, look at that bitch kind of thing. Like they don't get that same 
like depth, depth allowed to yeah. them. And I feel like with the rise of this dirtbag diva, we see more of that. And like you said, they're they're more likable. I'm thinking of movies like Anti Birth, which we've covered, uh, Tragedy Girls, stuff like that. Our fave Excision. Oh, Excision is such a good movie. That's one we need to cover. Needs its own episode sometime. Yeah. We want to take that one step further and say, like, what happens when these people are, you know, they're not just, like, kind of trashy people that In a redeem fun, themselves, way. but it's, like, what happens when they just do really gross shit, mm-hmm. but there's still the character that are the inroad to the movie? Yes. How are they recuperated or Early. possibly more interesting, not recuperated? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what does it say about all this stuff? And I think this kind of ties into what we're talking about with uh, representation in movies, and mm-hmm. especially when you come to these characters that are queer. Yes, they're not just they're not just ladies. They're yeah. they're like gay ladies. Hell yeah! Cheers, I'll drink to that, bro. <laughs> All right, so the first movie we're gonna cover, we are talking about 2013's All Cheerleaders Die. This uh, was directed by Lucky McKee and Chris Sivertson. Sort of been a pair for a while doing collabos together and all that i'm sure that's what they call them mm. yeah just uh on their boy boss shit i guess <laughs> this movie is a remake of a film from 2001 their own movie they're remaking their own film that they made straight out of college and uh i guess they said you know that movie's been impossible to find and also they've got a budget they they've grown as filmmakers so you know it's, yeah, it's kind of ripe to get it. to so the premise of this movie is, it actually kind of lives up to its title, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it opens with, actually, one of the things, I, I've grown to enjoy found footage movies a little more, but it opens in one of the things that I think I've even tweeted before, like, the worst feeling in the world is when you put on a movie you've been wanting to watch, and then it's unexpectedly found footage. <laughs> um I, I've warmed to the genre significantly. Sure. It's funny. But there is some fucking yeah. garbage out oh, there. Oh, yeah. It's funny how I gripe with them when... I love making found footage <laughs> movies. Like, our, our one movie that played a festival was found footage. Yeah. That being said, you're coming at it from the perspective of someone who, like, hates the that the, like, hates when it's done... Poorly. Poorly. Yeah. So, you're like, okay, can I can I do this in a way that seems to be... To enrich the... Yes, That exactly. is appropriate for the, the, the style of the movie. 100%. And yeah. the story. Yes. But, yeah, this movie opens with... Someone uh, filming their classmates in high school. Mm-hmm. and It's doing like a day in the life of yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, day in the life of, and she's following the cheerleaders around. And they're talking about how hard and uh, arduous cheer is compared to the footballers. And it's like, oh, they think football is tough? They should try cheer. It's it's crazy tough. And they're showing off all their cool, like, tricks. Their, 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 their cool stunts and flips. Yes, because it's, it's not just the, like, you know, rah, rah, we're waving pom-poms around. It is very much like cheer is now, where it's, like, highly competitive, requires being a really strong, like, gymnastics-level athlete. Yeah, big athletics, for yes, sure. and high risk of injuries. Yeah, and that's what we get when someone tries a sort of, like, spinning vault kind of thing off of a human pyramid yes. and lands headfirst in the ground and breaks their spine. Yes. Just, like... Opens with someone just one of the cheerleaders just like and like the, beefing the it like the captain of the cheer team yeah 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 and presumably right. next year's prom queen kind of thing yeah just totally beefs it and then we smash cut to the title all cheerleaders die <laughs> and it's like oh, okay we've got the tone of this beast already it's set up yeah um, but then the movie jumps ahead three months I believe to the start of the new school year it's uh, two days before the school year starts and this outcast 
woman who was filming the the little insert videos is going to school all like she's showing up to the cheerleader tryouts and it's like you know one of those sort of a she's all that transformations but she did it to herself mm-hmm. where she went from like this weird kind of edgy alternative kid to like super prom queen leader of the wannabe leader of the cheer squad mm-hmm. and so she tries out and she makes a team yeah but also she's in part of this she like in the lead up to this she is kind of she's still kind of documenting herself in front of her camera and being, yes and and about how she's gonna like she clearly has a plot like it made me think of mean girls Yes, yeah, that was that was your thing. You're just like, are they going Mean Girls with this? Yeah, where she's like, oh, okay, I, have to, I just have to like dress like these bitches, and I'm gonna I'm gonna like fuck up their school year. Yeah, yeah. She she was great friends. We find out with the cheerleader who died in that they did gymnastics together in like junior yeah, high so, and all and that. Yeah, and then yeah, they like took different kind of paths, as she said. So yeah. It's not that they remained friends from this from right. the sound of it, but that the, there was a time in their life where they were closer and they were yeah. more kind of like equals or peers than. But it sounds like there definitely was no big falling out either. They mm-hmm. just drifted apart mm-hmm. because uh, she's taken the death of this person very personally. Yes. Um, and her plan is to manipulate everybody to sort of wreak vengeance on these people, targeting specifically the uh, sort of like the head of the football boys kind of thing, like the lead football man. And she... Uh, manipulates who was the, the boyfriend of the, yeah, dead the boyfriend girl. of the thank you yes boyfriend of the dead girl he's now with another cheerleader in the squad and so she manipulates the breaking up of their relationship and also getting together she with gets with the, the cheerleader. cheerleader yeah they, there's they they just well her ex-witch girlfriend yeah. is uh pining for her yeah her ex-witch girlfriend is pining for no, her, her ex-girlfriend so. her her witch ex-girlfriend yeah not ex I don't know what order I said that in. It's like ex-witch, because I'm like, oh, she's still a witch. She's her witch ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and this part right here is kind of interesting, because it kind of points to the idea of heteronormative recuperation, or the idea that, you know, like, you see this pointed out all the time, where it's like, oh, you're too young to know you're queer, kind of thing. Like yeah, that. or the, like, lesbian until graduation. Yeah, that kind of thing, where um, the two uh, alternative people are are gay together and they're in a relationship and they're they're just doing gay stuff and all that they break up and one of them becomes normal yeah one of them becomes normal she becomes uh you know the very almost superficially coded uh heterosexual dream kind Mm -hmm. of thing but she's got machinations in that she still befriends and uh sleeps with the uh cheerleader that was dating the head of the football squad Ooh, there's a lot. I feel like I need to have the corkboard of characters and just, like, the, the string between. And, you know, there is no Pepe, so that kind yeah, of exactly. thing. But this all goes to a head when she's, like, brought the manipulation, like, full force on this, like, woods drinking party. And it's like, if that don't bring me back to high school, you know, a bunch of kids just sitting in the woods with a bonfire getting shit-faced drunk on light beer. <laughs> yep. That's... How they do it. Yeah, I can't even say there's nostalgia attack to that. That's no, like, that was a, that was a shitty part of life. Um, but it all comes to a head when the football guy uh, punches his now ex girlfriend in the face, and a big fight breaks out. And the cheerleaders get into a car and try to escape, but he, drunk on bad alcohol and his own power, gets the football boys into his car and they chase them down this winding road in the middle of the night with no streetlights. And sure enough, the cheerleader car goes off a cliff crashes into the river, and as... The footy boys Yeah, one of the football away. boys is just like, we gotta help them, we gotta help them, and the other ones are just like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. We're, we're running out of here. 
Uh, but the witch girlfriend who was crying in the woods in her parked car nearby. Like with her crystals. Yeah, with her crystals because she was doing all these, like, enchantment things. Yes. Uh, she runs and saves them. Or tries to. Pulls them out of the car. But they're all fucking dead. Mm-hmm. But her crystals all of a sudden come to life and jam themselves up into everyone's heads and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and, and like, tramp stamp areas. Yep. And, and brings them back to life. So now we have a bunch Tramps of areas. lower backs. Yes. No, no, you had the anatomy right. It's in the anatomy. It's like in... it's like where it, where it is is it's like you would put a tramp stamp. No, tramp it's stamp literally there. in the Gray's Anatomy book of human physiology. It's the tramp stamp zone. Yeah, the tramp stamp zone. But yeah, so they all come back to life or on life. They're zombies. They wake up and uh, they're all connected by these gemstones. And some of them are in the wrong bodies, like the two sisters. Yeah, are because in each they made bodies. a wish that got them flipped kind of thing or one of them like pine like oh i wish i understood what her life was like yeah or, like, something like that yeah one of those careful what you wish for yeah the, 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 the figure on the monkey's paw yes. curls in uh, but they're all zombies and they feed on blood and life force blood and life force it's got a very that movie life force energy when they suck the guy's juices out and <laughs> becomes a shriveled mummy yes like that uh yeah Reminds me of that movie Life Force, which we'll have to cover someday because that movie is insane. I've seen like other things though where this similar kind of thing happens, yeah. where they suck out the yeah yeah. But then they all show up to school, and uh, all the the football guys are just losing their mind because all the cheerleaders that they killed are back, and they start getting revenge. It's seemingly normal. Yeah. And they start picking off the football guys, and this big fight breaks out, and the movie just kind of goes yeah, it goes off kind, of, the rails. kind of wild. Yeah. Like, well, one person's killing one person, the other one's fucking somebody, and then of course they're all connected with their crystals and just feeling lots of feelings all at once, and yeah. collapsing in the hallway and like maybe orgasm. Well, yeah, I guess the the one uh, one was having orgasm in the bathroom, and it made them all have orgasms. Like in the wherever of they the were school. in school. Yeah, and then they all got rejuvenated powers from the person. Um, killing the pothead the yeah. uh the bootleg steve-o in the van yes. and just like sucking his juices out yeah but why i wanted to include this movie and i hadn't seen it in a while so i wasn't sure putting it on i'm like okay from what i remember this could be a good fit mm-hmm. but i wasn't sure the main character who is a lesbian she is a manipulator she is all the way through and, and doesn't uh, really reveal her hand until no. quite later like even early on when we don't know what's up we know what's up by, uh, she's just gaming the system. Yeah, she's, 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 she's like, godfathering school. Yeah, school. yeah, like, uh, when she's hooking up with the, um, football guy's girlfriend, she's giving him all these stares and just, like, taunting him and, like, saying all these, like, little things. Like, she makes up the fact that he was cheating in order to get them to break up. Yeah. And she's, she's really gaming everything. And, uh, it's kind of dirtbag shit that she's doing. Like, that's not cool to manipulate people. But this movie recuperates it. And this is one thing I notice with dirtbag characters is they often have to be recuperated. And usually in film, it's in the form of revenge. Yes. It's the revenge plot. Yeah, she's um, not just being manipulative and, like, doing all this for its own sake. Yeah. It's in the service of she was wronged first, they drew first blood. Yeah. Like, uh, Miss 45. She's engaging in some pretty heinous actions, but it's entirely justified in the context of the film's world. Yeah, she was normal, and then she was assaulted. Yeah, twice yeah. in one day. Yes. Jesus. And this movie basically follows a similar trend, where mm-hmm. we find out that the, the lead football dude raped her over the summer. Yeah. And, um, and now she's all bent on revenge. And, and, yeah. the reason, and the reason they were even together in the first place is because she was continuing... She's like, well, you know, after the cheerleader for the friend died she's like you know I, I i still wanted to like honor her memory so i decided to keep working on the project and i went to interview her boyfriend and see yes. if he was okay and also like 
like to honor her yeah and then ended up getting assaulted in the process yes yeah he he uh manipulated her and then assaulted her and she talks about it in those terms like you know like i thought it was just like him being his normal self but mm-hmm. i could tell in his eyes that he yeah. was uh plotting something yeah and then when she tried to say no he's like how dare somebody like you yeah. say no to somebody like me it doesn't work that way yeah which also hints at another thing when it comes to the queerness of it all is the idea that um uh, lesbians are victimized by gross dudes by the sole fact that they exclude yeah. men from their relationships. That's interesting, because I, I, I read it more, because I don't know if he knew that about, like, there was obviously the, the rumor about her dating. Okay, I got the impression that it was, uh, like, you know, kind of an open thing that she was dating. Yeah, because I know, because I remember, because like, it was a rumor at the very least, and so people probably knew. But I guess like, that's interesting, because, yeah, I took it as kind of, like, as more of, like, a social status thing, like, a girl like you saying no to a guy like me. I kind me. of took it as, like, that was the main text going yeah. on, but there's but the subtext the, exactly. of, uh, yeah. of, yeah. Which I... I had just been so like, oh yeah, this is how the main text goes that I don't know if I, I had even yeah. like looked below it and been like, oh, there's also that. Yeah, like the movie's so, not um, overtly saying that that's yeah, what happened, but, but at the there. same time, it's, you know, it's recognizable yes. because this is a thing that happens. Yeah. Um, but, and I'm not saying that recuperating her in this way is in any way bad. Mm-hmm. I would say she's actually the, le- even before the recuperation, she's the least shitty of the three characters we're looking at tonight for, for yeah. her actions. And I mean, she already is starting to like when, um they're at her house and and the cheerleader that she's hooking up with sees the video where she's talking about going under in, in, under disguise and, and you know, have to try and like put up with these vapid bitches whatever yeah then she's like well i mean I, the line made me laugh she's like that was like a week ago i didn't know you <laughs> like i know so you now funny. but yeah, like this movie is <laughs> it's also very much a comedy in yes. a way it's like it those those goofinesses that they're very Definite. deliberate. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But yeah, that being said, there you you see the change happening where she goes from like yeah this very like Machiavellian mean girls kind yeah. of thing to like oh I actually like really care about this person now that I've gotten to know them and I'm feeling yeah. more com- like complicated about this. Yeah, it's very much a. Um, you see the change happen in yeah. real time. It's all about the friends we made along the way, yeah. kind of thing. And uh, yeah, because I think she's so blinded by her need for vengeance that she saw these people for the social yeah, status they're just pawns. that they, they are and then got to know them as people and was like oh yeah oh okay <laughs> yeah this complicates things yeah yeah and so like i don't think the having revenge as recuperation is is a bad thing it's mm. very much a tried and true formula yeah but but it, it, it gives that like little extra push if you're already starting to feel like oh no she is human and she is like she does have feelings and she's like feeling bad it's like Oh, this this just gives that little extra push of like, well, she was coming for like. Yeah, we can be on her side. Yeah, we can be. We're allowed to yeah. be on her side, and also we can appreciate why she would maybe be less perceptive to the like human co- co- traits and qualities yes. of the people yeah. she was seeing as pawns because revenge is very like myopic and very goal driven. Yeah, and to hell with kind of what happens to any anything in its yes. path. Because I had seen this movie once around when it first came out. And that was the only time. So I'd actually forgotten the revenge assault mm. angle. And I was still on her side. Yeah, yeah. Because these people are really gross, abusive people. And she's basically playing their game yep. to get back at them. More or less. Um, but, but she seems to not really at first care 
so much about the collateral damage yeah, of exactly. her plan, but then that's the change in her. So I think yeah. that, coupled with the revenge motive, fully recuperates um, any sort of trashy behavior she engages in, because yeah. uh, we're, we're firmly on her side. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, and it's all trauma. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so I think that it's, uh, that's kind of why I, I liked, you know, that's why I wanted to include this too, because I feel like we're more accepting of this in characters when there's a really strong motivation Especially in that sort of sense of justice way, mm-hmm. like you know, we may we may not think like, oh yeah, two wrongs don't make a right. You shouldn't murder people uh, in in real life. If someone like egregiously wrongs me in real life, I don't think I want them to die. It's mm-hmm. just like fuck that person. But yeah. like you know, I'll, like that kind of thing. Whereas in a movie, it's like you cut me off. I'm driving you off the road, right. kind of thing. Like you know, it's that movie. Yeah, well, extremity. Logic or lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah. So. Overall, I found this movie fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. It's not my favorite of his works. Oh, yeah, he has, he has better stuff for sure. That's, that's really, you know, the bar is so fucking high. <laughs> Especially, like, you know, May is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And so when that's the bar, it's just like, yeah, most people's work don't measure up to some of his work, you know? Absolutely. So uh, I think it's fun. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, how about you? What, what was your take on this as a movie altogether? Yeah, it was fine. It was, it, and it was uh, very kind of like of the time where, you know, post Mean Girls, yeah. po- I guess post Jennifer's Body, but pre-13 Reasons Why. There's a piece that I haven't seen. I've seen the first yeah. season and, and then I, like, because I, I was, there was a lot of talk about it. I was curious. And then, I don't know, I remember, I remember like watching a couple episodes and I just felt like shit for the rest of the day. And I was like, I think I'm just going to not engage with this anymore. Yeah, you, can, you kind of mentioned that to me. So that's part yeah. of why I avoided it. Because yeah. I think when it was big... I was going through some stuff. And it's like, I should avoid I was too, and I probably should have, but I didn't, so... Yeah, I'll maybe get to it eventually. Yeah, you're not missing much. Fair enough. (laughs) But yeah, that's uh, Ultimate Leader's Die. Also, if you do seek it out, I think the biggest warning, and I think I even warned you about this with this movie, is it definitely sets up for a sequel in a way that it's (laughs) like, in such an egregious way that you're just like... Know that you will be pissed off if if you don't know this info, and it's just like that's it. Like like the second like the sequel that that has yet to happen could pick up literally a frame like you know yeah, the, the next, next frame, frame yeah. of after the movie ends. Let's just say this: it literally right before credits hits to a title card that says "All Cheerleaders Die Part One." That too. So you know that it's very egregiously like a sequel is happening, and, and then it doesn't. I'd watch it if a sequel came sure. out. I'd be down. I'd be uh, curious. Yeah. Is this the... F- no, we covered The Woman. I was going to ask if this yeah. is the first Lucky Mickey movie we've actually covered on this podcast. And it's like, given how much I dig his work, that's kind of fucked girl, up. Girls just, uh... The revenge one. The, yeah. the, the, the girl... girl Ladies getting revenge. Ladies getting revenge. The girlies. Yeah. I, I, I can't even remember the episode title. I just remember the, the meme I made for it, where it's like, the, with Mean Girls, yeah, they're like get getting it. loser or getting revenge. revenge. Yeah. And yeah, the woman is in the car. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, uh picture of the feral woman from the woman is still my like a uh, little like user picture on my computer when nice. i log in and i think yours is pauline from excision Pro- oh yeah yeah I yeah i definitely set I up these it. accounts <laughs> <laughs> okay the next movie we are covering um it it detours from the horror yeah we, we've been known to do that we have you know like i know our name is queer horror cult but it's also our fucking podcast, and if you want. don't like it, we'll take our podcast and go home. Yeah. We already did that once, that's why we didn't make an episode for a year. <laughs> that's the reason. Oops, yeah, yeah. that's true. So, um, yeah, the next one we cover is from 2020, it's called I Care A Lot, and, sorry, Jay Blakeson is the director? Uh, yeah, that's 
what I have in my notes, okay. my very in-depth, studious notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so not somebody we, not a name we recognize. I hadn't encountered before. Yeah. This isn't his first have... movie, but yeah. Yeah. And so this one is, again, not horror. It's about a an absolute girl boss who... Oh, such a girl boss. Yes. This he, is a girl's rock movie. This is 100%. a girl's rock movie. Yeah, this is... So, a girl boss who, who's played by Gone Girl. I love that. Okay, well, we're watching this movie, and you know, at the very start, like, first scene where she's talking, you're just like... And this... We haven't seen Gone Girl, but you're like, is that a Gone Girl? Is that Gone Girl? And I'm like... Uh, I look up, I was like, yep, it's Gone Girl. Like, she's... She plays a type. She's no, on yeah, her Gone she, Girl shit. She, she, she's like... She's the, the archetypal girl's rock movie star. Yeah, girl's rock. Rosamund Pike, I think Rosamund is her name. Pike, yeah. And she is running a bit of a a grift, but yeah. like in completely legal, unfortunately. A legal grift. Uh, very like like uh, I think books. as is said lately, it's mostly legal because I mean there is the fact that they're committing perjury in order to make their grift. It's happen. true. Yes, but they're work- they're doing it within the they're system that's the system, allowing yeah. them to. It's definitely not like. It's not like it's not anything crime. that's involving like yeah. money laundering yes, or yeah. like that kind of activity that the money has to, like the money they're making is completely by the books. Yeah, they're basically doing like legal theft and yes. all that kind of stuff. So what she is, she's part. Uh, she runs like a a guardianship agency where yep. basically when somebody becomes a ward of the state, she mm-hmm. is a professional guardian who takes yes. over their you know assets and it's mostly elderly people. Yep. Um, but it occurred to me that with what's in the news right now, this is also the kind of thing that's happening to, like, Britney Spears, for instance. It's funny you say that, because apparently when this was being promoted, the uh, woman who plays Fran brought that up. Like, oh, mentioned wow. that. It's like, yeah, we're talking... This is very much about the toxic, horrible nature of conservatorships. Yes. And how uh, they can be so abused. Yeah. And in the U.S. specifically, because honestly, I don't know what it's like here. Yeah. So this is, yeah, in the U.S. Britney's obviously in the U.S. context. This movie's in the U.S. Yeah, context. how many times did something happen and we're just like... I don't know enough to know if that's a plot hole or if that's just literally how it works there. Yeah, you, because, yeah, there were things where I was yelling, like, why isn't she there? Why isn't her attorney there? Why aren't they requesting or subpoenaing these? And it's like, because nobody gives a shit. Yeah. And and that's one of the scary things, is especially seeing with um, this happening, like, with Britney. She, like, she has more money than God. Like, yep. And she's still, like, almost powerless. And mm-hmm. so it's like, what's it like for people who don't have even a fraction of the resources that she does or yep. publicity because or... she's rich she's famous yes. she's uh you know yeah she's she's a very identifiable she, figure yeah but she but she doesn't have she's rich but like not in the sense that she actually has control over her own assets she's not a nobody who can be discarded because she's in her 70s which is a lot of american society yeah you know yeah yeah unless you're rich yeah you know? and even yeah. then it's like it's 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 amazing how somebody who would maybe never be in that position all of a sudden mm-hmm. Because by way of disability or of age or, you know, these various things all of a sudden find themselves not having the same amount of agency and position yeah. as they once did. Mm-hmm. And how jarring that can be. Yes. But, but how does she do the grift? Right. So she, uh, we learned that she, she has friends in high places. She has, this is, this is our, our girl boss, by the way. Yeah, Back our to girl boss. Yep. Uh, what, Marla? Marla. Marla Grayson. Miss yeah, Marla. Grayson. Yes. So this girly, she has um, hookups with like, so th- there's, you know, like a doctor and this doctor calls her and says like, oh, I, you know, I have this patient who she's elderly. She's fucking loaded. Mm. And she, she's starting to maybe show signs of some cognitive decline. Yeah. She doesn't even refer to her as a patient first. She refers to her as a cherry, cherry with no strings attached. Yes. And so yeah, so like as, as objects, like as like in, like investments, like it's just gross. It's slimy. It's so it's so hard to. Long as this movie is so hard to watch. 
But anyway, uh, yeah, so it's so the you see you get to see like sort of the machinations of the grift where it's like, okay, so I have this patient who's maybe starting to show signs of like age. Yes. And because she's loaded, because you have this system running up, what I could do for you is if you're will you know, if you're willing to make it worth my while cutting me in on, you know, make make it rain basically, then I as a doctor, as a trusted medical professional, can put in this request with the courts, say it's an emergency, I can fluff up a little bit yeah. my you know, say, Oh, she's she's so she's showing she's looking way worse than she actually is. Yes. And use that that the level the the status that a doctor has yes. as a trusted person with expertise, yeah, as a medical professional to say that this woman needs to be a warrior because she has no she is she there's no record of her having family children her husband passed away yeah so she's just she's just like a, a lone woman lone woman lots of there's money was nobody caring for her we have lots of money so yes yeah, so they make this agreement this woman is. Without even being present in court, yeah, is told or is, is deemed to be unfit yeah. to before an incredibly apathetic judge. Yes, who is just like, oh yeah, yeah, I know you guys. Like this is fine, whatever, and rules that Miss Grayson can now be this woman's guardian. Yeah. She's her legal or, guardian, as she is now ward guardian of the state. Yeah, she's a ward of the state now. Yeah, and uh, the scene when she shows up at her house to tell her that like yeah well, you have to come with us now and live in a home there are cops everywhere i am now your legal guardian it was so horrifying yeah it was such an unsettling scene. wielding yeah. the power of the law in the state and she does it in that fucking girl boss white woman shit with a smile with a big smile yeah. on her face it's so pleasant and just yeah yeah and, it's and just... that girl bossery they established it early that that's a big part of what motivates her oh yeah throughout she's, this movie. She's, she's a power broker she's a like want to be godfather she's like yeah fucking evil <laughs> like like at the start um uh absolute king macon blair shows up and is like at the court arguing that this is all bullshit because he's clearly yeah. grifted too yeah because uh, his mother's he can't even see his mother yeah and after uh, he loses the case and um marla continues being able to be the ward yes. he confronts her outside and she goes in this huge uh, sp- spiel about how you know, aggressive men threatening her is the norm now, and she's not going to take it mm-hmm. because men wield his power too much, and she needs to fight back against it. All things I agree with, kind sure. of thing. But that is like the impetus for her not only to keep going, but it also seems to be how she reconciles a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Like she's also just you know completely money hungry, and she's the first person to tell you that yes. kind of thing. Like she wants money, she wants power. And so she's very much in that realm. And but she will step over on top of, back up over, like, she will, yeah, she, anybody, with the possible exception of her girlfriend, yeah. yes. can be thrown under the bus on yeah. her journey to get there. But she also, you know, she has the facade of being this very caring person who just wants to help people, yes. hence the title. And yes, then, this weaponization of, like, white yeah. femininity. Yes, and then anyone who maybe even slightly wises to her, her next go-to defense is i'm a girl boss doing my girl boss shit you don't scare me pretty much yeah yeah so um yeah she so this this uh elderly widow not even that elderly but like you know she's still she's living on her own it's fine she's she's put into a home she's and and yeah our girl boss is like oh well you know if you think there's been a mistake then like just come with me for now we'll get you taught you know if you're you're always welcome to file like a complaint about it we will get it sorted out it's fine yeah. but right now i have to take care of you yeah 
Yeah, and and clearly this isn't true because she has her phone taken away. Like she, yeah. she, she, yeah, she, she, she systematically with everybody, and she games it. Like she's yes. just like, can you unlock your phone so I can put my contact info in there? And then she, she does. She just takes the phone and gives it. It's like you can't have phone without permission. Yeah, but she says it with a smile, as you exactly. said. Exactly, and then, oh, you just I just ask the nice people here, and they'll give it to you. Like yeah, and it, it's just systematically like excludes her from yeah her agency her autonomy like it's just it's gross but all yeah all the smile on her face all by the books completely 100 yeah. percent, all covering her tracks in a way that it's like oh well, this can be justified because this yeah it, it's just it's it's so calculated yeah and what's the turn what's the turn well they um are very quickly liquidating her this woman's assets they're selling all her furniture they're flipping her house to put it up for sale and a taxi cab shows up to the house looking for for the madam and uh she's obviously not there because she doesn't live there anymore they got that the taxi driver won't when asked like well who sent you he, he just he doesn't say he shit. just leaves yeah and next we know he's meeting with peter dinklage who fucking rules in this movie yes he's so good in this he's, movie he's i mean he's good what, what he, is he's, he not he's great good, in what yeah. he does but especially like having seen him not that i've seen all of game of thrones i've seen a couple of seasons oh. but it's having seen him play like Tyrion lannister and yeah. that, like, power broker, like, fingers in every honeypot yeah. everywhere he's on every vein. Of it. Yes, yeah. he's very good at those kinds of characters. Oh, God. And, and, and just as a very small sidebar, uh, I am very excited to see what Macon Blair does with the Toxic Avenger mm-hmm. remake that stars Peter Dinklage <laughs> and Elijah Wood. Yes. I, I am here for it. It's going to be great, I'm sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we find out very quickly that this... So, th- these guys are pretty sketchy. Organized crime of some sort involvement. Yes. And uh, it turns out that this poor little old lady that uh, Miss Grayson, you know, used the state to kidnap yeah. <laughs> and, and like, defraud uh, is the mother of this, like, crime boss. Yep. Yeah. Who wants his mommy back. Yeah. And that kind of sets off the crazy chain of events that makes yes. up the bulk of this movie. Yeah. So this is kind of taking a different tact. I don't even think you can just call her flawed. You can just call her, like, like absolutely... fucking, like, cartoonishly evil. Is sociopathic even the right word? Like... Like, I... I yeah. Because she... Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, textbook. <laughs> I always fuck up the difference between sociopathic and I had them. I had them reversed for the longest time. That, that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, this is the, the... Yeah, she, like, can LARP human emotion. Yeah. And uh, does it very well as needed. Yeah. She's a complete monster. And to the point where... The opening montage that explains her grift. You you look like you're fuming kind of thing. Like, she's an awful person. You fucking hate her right out of the gate. Yes. And, and not uh, even in a love-to-hate-her way. Like, she's... No, you hate-hate. And you want bad things to happen to her. You're yes. like You are not on her side. And she's the um, main character all the way. So yeah. she's more of a, I guess, an anti-hero in the same way that, say, like... Henry from Henry Porter the serial killer is right. it's like he's who we're, our inroad is on this movie. Yep. We this are not we, we are not in love with the actions they're doing Fuck even a little you. bit. Because I can think of bad guy characters that I, that it's one of that you like. Oh, I, I hate them so much and I love them because they do it so. Because I mean, she does an amazing job. Oh she, yeah, like, she's, she's fantastic in this. this yeah, role. absolutely. She's incredible. Yeah. What did I say about like her haircut too? It's like. <laughs> it's not turf bangs because she doesn't have bangs, but I get turf energy from her hair. Totally, yeah. And yet, uh, the same haircut in Mindhunter it doesn't doesn't read like that because <laughs> she's a person that I care about. Mm. Another gay blonde with an attitude, but in yeah. a very different way. So, like, how this like total dirtbag 
lesbian functions in this movie is um, it works because you want bad things to happen. Yes. Kind of thing. And it's interesting because she is uh, she is queer. She's in a relationship with uh, Fran, who also works with her. And um, that really raises questions about the idea of, like, you know, the, the tragic lesbian love story where it's like, oh, we can't have bad things happen to the lesbians because it always happens in these movies. And it's like, it shows that it's like, context. Yeah, I'm fucking tired of the whole, like, Joss Whedon Buffy shit. Like, yeah, it's just like, oh, I've seen so many movies where the movie concludes normally, and then it's just like, oh, and then one of them dies. And they right. tack on an ending. Like, oh, I've seen a few movies that do that. And it's just like, you had an ending. Yeah, you're like, this is what so is this? Um, but then at the same time, it shows that, you know, don't always have to live either. And that can be fine, which is, you know, like, the vibe for this movie, you're, you're just wanting that, the whole movie, and yeah. every time the movie takes that away from you. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's just so like, infuriating. And it's great, because it's, like, bad people doing bad things to each other, yes. but as it goes, you're just like, oh, this person seems less bad, so I want them to be the one who, like... Yeah, and it's so interesting how it becomes a revenge story, and then a revenge against a revenge, like, it, it's so, like... It's 100% like one feud? of those before you go on a journey of revenge, dig two graves yeah, kind totally. of thing. And she really shows how she is the, from a society standpoint, the acceptable kind of monster. Mm-hmm. As, um, you know, at one point, uh, because the tables get turned back and forth yes. throughout this whole movie. At one point, she's got the, the upper hand against this mob guy. And she says to him, it's like, if you want to come after me, do it the legal way. Do it the correct way. Yeah, play by the rules. Yeah, it's like, I play by the rules. I go to court. You can battle me in court, and that's okay. But you came after me with a gun, and that is illegal. And it just shows the fucking... Like, cognitive dissonance. It shows that capitalism is a brain worm the size of the worm from Dune that is infesting everyone's <laughs> fucking minds. Well, because who is it? I think it's even the, the, the like, mob lawyer at one point, yeah. the super sharp guy, who's, like, he's, like, somebody tells her, you're, like, you're basically living the American dream mm-hmm. as it is, like, distilled. Yeah. Like, climbing over everybody you in the, like, most, like, legal by-the-books way possible in a way that ruins people's lives and treats people like objects and, like, yeah. cash cows. Yes. Ugh, and this movie does it infuriatingly. Mm-hmm. And, um, yet it still kind of recuperates the character in a way that it works in the movie. Not in a way that we like the character, but in that, as time goes on, they are forced to reckon with their actions. They're hoisted by their own petard kind mm-hmm. of thing. The folly of their hubris. So yes. it catches up to them repeatedly, um, but then they manage to keep persevering. So it's it really is a striking watch, but that's kind of how they recuperate it because, you know, if someone is too far gone, there needs to be justice against them. Yes. Otherwise, you know, like if the bad guy wins and it's not necessarily a comment, although I would say this movie is sort of a comment on that because of how entwined she is into the whole like girl bossery, yes. like, can I be Jeff Bezos with a puss? Like yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah. what's going on. And it's, uh, yeah, but so it would be saying something, but you know, the, the ways that she has to reckon with her actions, mm-hmm. like the attack on her partner, realizing she's no longer safe, yeah. realizing that she's really fucking stepped in it sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, when the doctor is yeah. killed, assassinated. Yeah. And um, she never seems to learn from her actions. She no. It just like, it makes her dig her heels in even more. It does, yeah. And I think, she's still convinced, oh, I'm still like one step ahead. Yeah, and I think that that's uh, kind of, in a weird way, how it recuperates the character because... Um, it's set up in a way that we aren't supposed to like her. Mm-hmm. And the movie, therefore, makes the character function 
and work in the context of the film. Right. Because it's she's not doing this evil shit, and then we're supposed to be like, I love that for her. You know? Yeah. If that was your takeaway from this movie, yeah. I actually quite enjoyed this movie, even though it was infuriating to sit through. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What, what was your takeaway from this? I don't even know. It was, it was definitely, like exciting and yeah. stuff because it was kind of like oh my god it's very going well off made the rail. yes sure. it is very yeah. well made it is the plot is very interesting yeah it's um, funny when it needs to be too it is yeah. yes absolutely but yeah it's definitely an exercise like i don't i don't know that i like i enjoyed parts of it yeah. but overall as an experience i it felt very like like i need to have a shower after watching yeah. it kind of thing like it just felt slimy i think and that's part of why i really liked it because it, it was going for that and it it nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, because I also sit in the camp that, and this probably goes back to what we're talking about, about representation and what characters can acceptably do mm-hmm. before they're too far gone. I fully ascribe to the school that you don't have, things don't have to be likable. No. They don't or have to be good or positive to be, like, to be very good. Yeah. And I, I think that this movie does it really well. So like, I think the movie works and I like it. Yeah. For that. It is definitely an immersive yeah. experience. Like you yeah. don't even need the 3d glasses to have it jump out at you. Yeah, yeah. You feel it on your skin. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. I was just like, Oh, I feel like douche chills the whole movie. Yes. Yeah. It is a physiological experience, but I completely, completely understand why this movie got so much backlash from people <laughs> just like, like, uh, I, I didn't dig too deep into it at the time because I knew I wanted to watch right. it. So I generally avoid stuff about things I want to watch mm-hmm. as much as I can don't want to I, I like to go in as fresh as possible but I did see a lot of people were talking about how they fucking hated this movie because <laughs> of how trashy and awful the character was so yeah I went in with that expectation right. and I was still shocked at how yeah. fucking terrible this person well, especially was when you say trashy we think back to our like dirtbag divas yeah. we're like oh well trashy's fun and it's like yeah, no it's this just is like, like evil oh you mean like uh, Natasha Leon hitting a bong while pregnant in her thing and then doing whippets and oh, you like this yeah like that's hilarious like, it's like I love this and she's trashy as shit and, and it's like, like pretty irredeemable oh. but like but yeah just to something about like I I don't know where this movie goes, it's very ironic that it's on Amazon Prime. Well, and that's the thing that, that also makes my skin crawl is that, like, the fact that they're they're so transparent. Like, they're literally, like, calling out, like, Amazon's business model. Yeah. And they're doing it with, like, they're wink- they're, they're pretty much winking at you while doing it because they're like, not only are we, like, say, parroting what you're saying in criticism, we're selling it back to yeah. you. You know, as a consumer. You know what this movie can basically... You know, they say pictures worth a thousand words. Yes. I can think of a single GIF that sums up this movie. Mm. You remember that GIF we put in our Tumblr for our porno class where there's the picture of Adolf Hitler <laughs> and then the dick gets pushed through the back of the picture so it comes out his mouth. Yes. And the lady starts giving the blowjob to the dick while uh-huh. it's popped out of Hitler's mouth. Change that face to Jeff Bezos yes. instead of Hitler. And, and that is this Amazon. movie. Yeah. It's, Am- it's like Prime Video. Yeah, that is this movie. True. Yeah, if, if you've seen this, if and you know yeah. what I'm talking about, like, that's this movie distilled. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Um, so it's the same thing as, like, again, I haven't seen it, but, um, like, a lot of people are saying that about, like, The Boys on it on Prime. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it's that it's it's a lot of the criticism of, like, the state and police and yes. the way the hu- superhero upholds the sort of like nationalistic pro police kind like very like pro national security like just propaganda thing right and it's fucking Amazon selling it to us who like elect you know surveillance technology facial yeah. recognition technology gets sold to like ICE and to like the yeah. Israeli government and like all of these like repressive military apparatuses yeah. and it's like 
fuck? And I 100% don't think this is people pulling a fast one on Amazon. I, I think no. much more cynically in that... Yeah, Amazon they're knows not, exactly what it's doing. They, they, they know what they're doing. They know what these things are doing, but they realize they can make money off of exactly. it. So this who is fucking where the money cares? is now. Amazon is Marla in that it's not a matter of I haven't decided that this is right or wrong. It's a matter of I don't give a shit. There is money to be made and power to be had. Yeah. Full stop. Period. Ugh. Gotta love that. As I speak into my microphone, I probably got on Amazon several years ago. Probably. But yeah, that's I care a lot. So, so far we've covered two dirtbags that the movie has to either recuperate them to make us on their side or have a distancing effect in place. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, it's, there's a moral recuperation in being able to point at them and being like, that's not it. Yeah. You know, um, our third movie is actually one we watched uh, for when we did Wild Boys, because we're thinking of doing a double feature, but mm-hmm. we had so much to say on Wild Boys, we figured. Yeah, it. why let's, get let's, uh, like a two-hour episode? Yeah, at this rate, who knows what we've got here? Um, this is Knife and Heart, Un Couteau dans le cul, from 2018, directed by Jan Gonzalez. This is kind of the movie that made me actually think of this topic. Yeah, uh, because I think this movie lets this person be a dirtbag, and they don't redeem themselves. And the movie doesn't point to them as evil either. No, it's very, it's, it's very person. ambiguous. Yeah, and, like, um, or, just, or at least ambivalent. And I think it does it in a way that works. Yes. Like I care about this character and what happens to her, but I still recognize that she does some fucking nasty shit in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the movie doesn't pretend like it doesn't be like, oh, but it's okay because this. Or, yeah, it's okay because she's gay. Yeah, or like uh, it's that's yeah, you get to, none too. of that shit. Like. It's like, no, this is a person, she's, she's, she's gay and she's kind of a sharky businesswoman yeah. and she's, she's pretty shitty in her interpersonal she's relationships. She's a toxic, abusive person in her yes. relationships. Yeah. Um, to get to the start, we, we have covered this movie before. Yes. It was on our episode 69. Nice. Where we, uh, were doing like all the like sex porno movies and stuff. And given that this is a movie about a porn company kind of thing, so it sort of fit that bill. And we talked gay about. porn company. Yes. We talked about it in terms of how it relates both to depictions of sex, but also in terms of the Jallo format, because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a Neo-Jallo that I'm super into, because it works structurally exactly like a Jallo, without getting bogged down in being a pastiche yeah. of old Jallo. And I love that it even, like, I, I remember appreciating this the first time, but especially this time, where it, it takes so many of the, like, things that are so specific to Jallo, like, the bird feather... Yeah, that that's like straight up out of an Argento. Yeah, movie. but in a way that is like so appropriate for the plot. It's yeah. not just like, oh, we need we came up with the title "A Bird with a Crystal Plumage," and then now we had we to figure out how to make a movie around it. And yeah. there's this tangential bird. Yeah, it's like no, no, this is crucial, and it, it plays into like the like the the, the character's story, yeah. and like there's actually a reason for it. Yeah. And it's like it, it's funny because the logic I can follow. <laughs> in a meta sense, it's definitely a contrivance. It's quite mm-hmm. unrealistic what happens mm. but in that way that jalo movies work yes in that it is fitting with that genre and also fits within its own movie it's like this makes perfect sense yeah, exactly kind of thing but you know if you stand back from it and look at the jalo genre it's like that's kind of the point they're outrageous and yeah. they have all these weird jumps of but logic, at least it but, makes sense yeah. and i can i can follow it and be like oh okay yeah, exactly it yeah. doesn't feel like it kind of comes in from left field to just tie the title in yes. no offense argento i love you oh i love it i i think that I want to give them a hats off for 
coming up with the title first and then making a movie that works with that title. Yeah, that's and cool. Is still like a and great that's watch. A, that's, that's a valid approach. Like I think I've mentioned uh, repeatedly, Four Flies on Grey Velvet. It's probably my favorite Jalo. If not, it's up there. And they came the up point, with the title first. Yeah, they came up with the title first, and they had to figure out it's like, okay, what could Four Flies? have to do with gray velvet Mm -hmm. and how does it work into the mystery and it's an absolutely contrived pseudoscience thing but it is like peak jello there's a reason that this movie i think ranks second most jello jello on that old site jello scores which i don't think is up anymore but you can find it on like archive or wayback machine and also just as a side note we did record a bonus episode of four flies this was like we did as a bonus because this was early on before we were like oh no we can't spoil things for people kind of thing and it's like so we did as a separate thing because we were going to ruin the whole plot thing that is our least downloaded episode get to it you are you are doing yourselves a disservice not watching this movie and then listening to us like be gay about (laughs) it um yeah, anyway, uh, so that's kind of how we approach this movie the first time around. Yes. This time, we really want to just like, kind of focus it on the characters. So if it's a bit more of a clipped talk, uh, it's because we don't want to completely retread what we've much. done. I think we've already done enough of that yeah. in our little capsule uh, summary. But if you want to hear more about it, go check out episode 69. Horny on Maine, a cinematic journey into ennui or something so like cinemat- that. Yeah, Some something like that, title. sexual ennui. It was, it was pretty perfect, yeah, if um, I say so. But this character, she is a lesbian who runs a low-rent gay porn, like gay male porn studio, and... Decades go and pet. Yeah, yeah, like in the, I believe it's set in like 1979. Yeah, it's in like yeah. 1970s or something. And um, the start of the movie sets up where she's on the outs with her girlfriend. Like they've broken up kind of thing. What we see there is, you know, we see, like, sort of the opening of, like, how the porn studio works and all that stuff intercut with um, this this murder scene. Mm-hmm. That's very much uh, pulled from cruising. Absolutely. For sure. But make it jalo. Right after this, we, like, we get cuts of, like, the professional relationship she has with everyone she works with. And then we cut to her crying in a phone booth, losing her mind, trying to get her ex to come back to her. Mm-hmm. And her ex is the editor on yes. all these movies. And she's just sort of losing it. Yeah. She makes uh, pleas throughout, like, at one point she's she etches onto some film negatives, like, you're destroying me. Some, yeah. Something heart, you know, like, heartbroken, like, I'm trying to guilt yeah. trip you and it, to how you're destroying me. It shows the forlorn love. It shows yes. the heartache of breakups. And I think it shows it in a way that perhaps is more realistic than a lot of people may want to admit in that it's messy and people can do nasty shit to each other. Sometimes that won't happen. Sometimes even people they love. Yeah. And that's kind of what's going on in this uh, movie where we see, like you said, she's manipulating her. She's being emotionally manipulative and just being gross Mm -hmm. to her trying to win her back and if anything it's just making it worse yeah, it's pushing her further away yeah which just also shows the irrationality at play yeah. when it comes to high emotion stuff well and also it's, it's this funny like i can't lose you and so i in, in in an effort to avoid the pain of loss the behaviors you engage in actually push the person further yeah. away and make it more likely that they're not going to be able to maybe after the the heartbreak and stuff resolves mm-hmm. be remain friends or reconnect yeah. or be in your life in some way yeah it's it's so scared of the uh gulf 
Yeah, and then it becomes just, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And it's, uh, I really liked that the movie doesn't, it presents it. Mm-hmm. And not in a way where it's like, oh, I am the objective observer mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but in a way where it doesn't make apologies for her being gross, but it shows that she is a human yeah. who hurts and will do fucked up shit from time to time. Yeah. And it's whether she makes apologies for it or not. Kind of leaves her to your own devices with that. Yeah. And I like that it doesn't take her side, but doesn't also point at her 100% being like, we are vilifying her. Yeah. Or have some kind of like Shakespearean, oh, we, we betrayed somebody bad, so they have to die so that we yeah. can like justify showing their story. Yeah. And this reaches ahead when at one point she assaults her. Yeah, and like she, her, she assaults her girlfriend her, yeah. in an alleyway. And she's like, "You're you, gropes, this belongs to yeah, me." Yeah, grabs you belong her. To me. And it's like you belong to me. You're mine. You can't leave. And it's like, Ew. you know, the stereotypical like abusive boyfriend that you yeah. see in like WB dramas and stuff like that. Yes, but taken to like the extreme, and it's really nasty behavior. She never really apologizes for it, but the movie doesn't say like it's okay because Mm-mm. she was hurting. No, nor does it say. She is now automatically Hitler for doing a gross thing. <laughs> yeah. And now don't get it wrong. I'm not saying that there's ambiguity in whether her actions are right or wrong. It's obviously gross behavior. Mm-hmm. And the movie, I think, presents that. But it presents it in a way where it's just like, she's human. Mm-hmm. And she fucked up. And yeah. she's not apologizing for it. That's not a good thing. No. But to therefore pretend that she's exceptional from the fact that people who maybe do good for other things, like she has this huge queer family she's created. Yeah. She's a pl- provides them with work she's uh making this great life for all of them and you see these moments like in the park mm-hmm. before the wind picks up and there's another murder they're there's all like having a, a great time and it's like to it, the, like queer kinship and she really seems like the glue of yeah. this kind of thing um, for better so, and for worse yes but like so she does good things yeah but she also does bad things and mm-hmm. this goes back to the ambiguity and i think this further goes to the idea of representation mm-hmm. where she's not a good person like, she does gross shit, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's a flaw. She's a flawed person, and mm-hmm. I don't think that makes it bad representation. I don't think it means that, like, oh, the filmmaker's fucked up, and this is gross. Yeah. If anything, I prefer this kind of representation to the sanitized, like, ah, yes, because I'm gay, I can do no wrong, that yes. a lot of people I seem to be pulling for. I am perfect and trauma-informed, and I've never done a bad thing in my life, yeah. and I never will do a bad thing in my life. Everyone wants a tender queer, and everyone <laughs> wants them to make excuses for them using that language kind of mm-hmm. thing. Whereas, you know, this is providing someone who seems more real. Yeah. And uh, I think Someone it goes, you're way more likely to encounter. Yeah, and I think it goes to a much more important point, is that abuses in queer relationships often get swept under the rug by virtue of, oh, it's a marginalized thing. Like, I, oh, it's I, so much more complicated than if it was a man and a woman. Yeah, I, I, I've heard far too many stories, you know, anecdotally and stuff from people that are like, yeah, my, my ex was super abusive. As they usually are. Um, the stories being anecdotally, yes, not yeah. that people's exes. Yeah. That, that, as they usually are, kind of came in at a weird time. Yeah, at a time. weird time, yeah. No, I, I get what you mean, but <laughs> yeah. good clarification. It's usually, yeah, it's usually whisper network kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it's like, you know, she got away with it because she's my girlfriend, she's mm-hmm. not my boyfriend, kind of thing. Right. And it's the idea that, like, because us as queer people are oppressed by heteronormative society or marginalized, we can't do wrong. You see this... And especially other- not to each other. Yes. You see this in other ways where it's just, like, cis white gays that will put, like, um, no femmes, no Asians in their fucking bio. Yeah, no fats, no femmes, no Asians, all yeah, that Yeah, and it's just, shit. like, 
that's all incredibly gross. But they, the people that do that feel like, oh, but I'm gay, so it's okay. Yeah, like, it's fine. Like, it's you a, see... It's a preference. How many times do, like, you see or hear about, like, uh, cis white gay dudes? How often do they, like, engage in misogyny? Yeah. But it's like, like oh, it's fine. Like, yeah, because... like, 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 I have so many stories of, like, you know, going out to the clubs and some gay guy going up and like fondling a woman's like grabbing her breast and like it's fine because i'm not attracted to you and i don't want to fuck you so yeah. i can totally do this because it's it's like not the same yeah and or it's like, like that's like, not how anything works yeah. or like how it's perfectly acceptable to build your identity around like oh vagina's disgusting well, who yeah, wants to be with people's vagina? bodies are gross. and it's just like that's gross for so many different ways so just there's like, so many levels to how i mean the only is. part that i agree with that is the general like Bodies are gross. Dude. Bodies are gross. They do gross things, and we should just embrace the nasty. Agreed. Because yeah, that was like the tenet of like that of like body neutrality is like yep, bodies are gross. They they smell. They excrete things. They like yeah. they die eventually and rot. Like yeah. they they are uh, like when when you hear a lot of that like rhetoric of like everybody's beautiful kind of thing. It's like, I appreciate that we're sure. trying to break away from Western beauty standards like, do they and all that stuff. The why is that the benchmark? Why do yeah, they have to be beautiful? I hate the fact that things have to be considered beautiful in order to be considered valid or acceptable. Yes. I would love to be like, hey, I'm an ugly chud who sucks. My body does gross things. That's great. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because like, you're not saying you're an adult in, in a way that, like... It, it, is putting yourself none of those it's not coming things, from a place of hatred it's coming from a place of like it is what acceptance it is. it's like yeah. none of those things are bad mm -hmm. they're not negative qualities yeah. people will sling them as negative qualities sure. but like let's recuperate that mm. <laughs> no way so this character i think is probably one of the best examples i can think of of not being good representation in the way it's often prescribed in the discourse but i think it's this is the kind of person i want to see in a movie and i'm not even like here to make excuses for their actions God, in the movie. No. I think the person does some really gross stuff. Really heinous um, shit. They realize, like, she realizes the, to an extent, the nature of how terrible she's been when it's far too late. Yes. Should we spoil it? Sure, I guess. Okay, okay, skip ahead, like, a couple minutes if you haven't seen this. Just hit that, like, if you're on a, I don't know if all phones are so on an iPhone, hit that, like... Like 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah, a, a few times. times. Um, the ex that she's being terrible to... Uh, dies. Yes. She throws herself in front of her and gets stabbed by the killer. Yes. And she bleeds out and dies. And the main character ends up going to a porno theater where her movie is premiering. And she just sits there as the screening cycle over and over again, stuck in this existential funk. And you see as she's watching everything on the screen, just her whole world is crashing down on her. And it's great because they do this without dialogue. Mm -hmm. It's just this really it's this well very, like, shot. It's, this inter it's, it's, yeah. it's completely internal processing that's happening for her, yeah. but you can see it happening. Yeah, so it's great acting and, and like great filmmaking to mm -hmm. get that across because they do it without a word. Exactly. And I, I think I thought it was an excellent oh, moment. And I think it really ties all this stuff together because you realize that the severity of her actions have hit her. Yes. But she can't apologize. She or can't. Make yeah, it's she can't repair late. now because the other person isn't there, isn't yeah. alive anymore to be repaired with. And so she's stuck, kind of. With Not only with that, with done. like the final loss of this person, but yeah. then also, yeah, what, how, how, how does one redeem themselves yeah. in? Because, I mean, redemption can happen in multiple ways, but at least when it when it's interpersonal, that that's usually you kind of need the you kind of need the other yeah. person to be able to sit like apologize and like be like i recognize what i've done yeah. and like what can i do to make it up to you if i if i can even do that yes and i think that makes us probably one of my favorite examples of 
how a, a lesbian character is depicted in a movie, even though if I met this person in real life, well, actually, no, she works in, like, cool porn scenes and hangs out at awesome lesbian discos, so I probably would want to hang out on that grounds, but it would want to be that, like, get me in with your crew, I don't want to actually, like, yeah. I'm not going to date you, because you seem toxic as shit. Right. Which, um, just a little, sort of, like, jumping off there, um, this character's based on a real person. You mentioned that. Um, I was impressed I to find out. I don't think... Actually, you know, like, uh, all I could find about this person was a French Wikipedia article right. about them. So I'm not saying that this person it's based on is nearly as gross or, like, you know... It's, or was abusive in any way. It's more or... the circumstances of the yes. plot where you have this... Uh, lesbian girl boss. Lesbian girl boss making gay porn films in France in the 70s. is based on someone named Anne-Marie Tensy. And she did exactly that. She had her own company and she made gay male porn movies, had her own theater, and, like, ran these movies there. And the biggest tragedy seems to be that of, like, the hundreds of movies she made, they're, most of them are gone. Yeah, they don't exist anymore. And, uh, they were lost. Yeah, like, that sucks. Yeah. That really sucks. I, I, I hope that someone doing the Lord's work, like, um, Altered Innocence or Vinegar Syndrome or Agfa or any of those right. people that are, like, putting this that, kind like, of stuff save out. save that, that kind of stuff. That they, uh... I could see Altered Innocence doing it because they do a lot of queer and sexualized work from France, mm-hmm. especially, like, because, you know, they did Wild Boys, yeah. they did Knife and Heart. They did. They um, put out this movie, I believe it was a gay porn movie from France, called Equation to the Unknown. Hmm. Haven't seen it, don't have it. Okay, so, um, but, it wouldn't but be, so it wouldn't be out of the question that if that material does still exist and they were able to get their hands yeah. on it, that that would be the kind of thing they would put in their catalog. Yeah, who knows, maybe I just blew up their spot and this was their plan. <laughs> Um, Oops. But I hope I hope it's on the future, just because I think that um, these are the kind of cultural artifacts that I absolutely love kind of thing. And it's wild. If you looked at my movie collection, you'd be like, you have some weird, out there, eclectic, fucked up, all over the place tastes. And I would probably say yes, in movies mm-hmm. kind of thing, because uh, I love trashy movies from like, especially movies that make you go... How does this exist? <laughs> How did this get made? Like, I love stuff you like love that, those. even if the movie that's actually in it is like, eh. you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, this, this is so not this my, is not a thing. Good this movie. is not me in but. any way, but fuck. I um, but yeah, it. I thought that was really cool that the structure of the plot was based on a real person. Yeah, I want to know that more about her. It's been very happy. Yeah. So, who knows? Maybe if we ever manage to find some stuff or if, uh, the gods of home video bless us with their material. This could be a future episode down the road. That'd be cool. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's our treatise on let the scumbag shine and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Uh, did you have any closing thoughts that you wanted to maybe drop on representation and maybe how it relates to this time of discourse? I think I said most of what I want to say. I just, I, I agree. I think you make really good points and you have in the past about the idea that like, you know, if we put a moratorium on particular queer stories, particular queer characters, outcomes, whatever, that not only are you handing away all of the power to the people who ruined that, yes. which aren't even in the community, but then also you're telling a bunch of people, like, you can't tell your story. Yeah. You can't show... You can't be rep- you can't you can't represent aspects of yourself yeah. that we don't deem acceptable, and you can't really allow the full, like, spectrum of human experience to yep. queer characters or stories and that's super fucked up yeah if we're trying to like up notions of representation if we stuck to the idea of it has to be all positive good not yeah. flawed people and all that stuff 
I would not feel represented. God, no. And, you know, I, I feel like I have good morals and I'm empathetic and I try to be a good person in my life. As the, like, I think the average person does yeah, really at I the end of the day. I think even if I don't do these heinous things, yeah. I, I think everyone could use the reminder that people are capable of, yeah. of succumbing to their flaws. And, you know? and be humbled by it sometimes yeah, because and, some, sometimes we get on our high horses and yes. think that, oh, well, because I'm... I'm queer, so I, I'm held to different standards. Yes. And in a lot of ways we are in terms of like being seen as more as more inherently sexual or as more violent or as more whatever than cishet people. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, in that sense, yeah, there are, there's absolutely different standards. But then yeah. there's also the yeah, the expectation of being like perfect. And it it it, in, it weighs to, on to, us. Yeah, it does. Because yeah. yeah, it's like, well, then we have to be perfect so that we don't play into that. Yeah, and what happens when we don't live up to this standard? That's yeah, exceeding then, then we're disposable. Existence. Yeah, it sucks. And the one other thing I think that that you sort of highlighted a bit that reminded me of something I've been thinking too mm. is it isn't it fucking wild how it's like yeah we need diverse voices <laughs> telling these stories but the stories have to be one cookie cutter thing that's not diverse right it's like we need diverse voices telling the same story over yes. and over again yeah and it's like I mean to be fair I can accept that like yeah we've been having the same story told over and over again but not even by diverse voices so it's really worse not. but it's like let's fix both yes let's let's do both diverse exactly. voices telling the stories they want to tell yes that's that's Whether we like it or not yeah that's my treatise on mm. today and um co-signed i am really happy to see that before when this stuff was kicking up in years past mm-hmm. it seemed more accepted the idea that it had to be like perfect yeah. and all that stuff I am seeing a lot more people push back against that notion yeah. with some very valid criticisms, and uh, that makes me happy. Me too. That makes me happy, because uh, at the end of the day, I'm not saying these positive, flawless things shouldn't exist. I just think they can all exist, yes. you know? One isn't inherently better than the other. Let's let's let them... Uh, although I will say a movie that has no conflict and flaws, uh, flaws yeah. is inherently less good. Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, what's the point? It's not interesting at that mm-hmm. point. So, yeah, that, that was our discussion on uh, queer representation in a negative light in these kind of things and how movies function with them. So we, of course, have some recommendations, mm-hmm. as per usual. Uh, I think I went first last time, so I do believe you that's go ahead. True. Yeah, yeah um, well, just, just the way... I unfortunately don't have something necessarily that, like, plays into the queer part of that, but I got thinking in terms of, like, scummy characters that don't really, you know, get any kind of comeuppance yeah necessarily or maybe not to the extent that we would uh expect or even desire yeah and movies that make you feel kind of slimy and i immediately thought of nightcrawler from Mm -hmm. 2014 yeah i want to watch that one again yeah yeah. and i actually remember that um in like talking about where um like tragedy girls yes because i thought about recommending that but i'm like no we've talked about that so many times let me get something different yeah but I remember with Tragedy Girls where people were so upset about the ending. Yeah. And I remember the first thing I thought was like, well, I hope you're equally upset about something like Nightcrawler. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, it's like scummy dudes, oh, they're going to be scummy dudes. But women, yeah. we have to hold them to a higher standard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's funny that that's the way we go as opposed to the like, let's hold the scummy dudes to a higher standard. Yes. You know? no, it, and it is this weird, like, on the one hand, you, you think that if someone comes from an identity that's like, marginalized in any way that they should know better and on the one hand it's like yeah i guess they should yeah but then on the other it's like that's a lot again a lot of pressure to put on the individual to uphold Mm -hmm. a certain like thing that's 
so above and beyond them. Absolutely. And then also the willingness to just excuse, like, oh, well, that dude's just a dirtbag, and that's just yeah. how he is. But women can't be like that. Right. Not saying they should be like that. I don't think that, you know, this whole idea of, like, this, like, girl boss feminism, like, I need to be just as ruthless and shitty and, like, a horrible human being as these men are. Yeah. It's like, who does that no, it, empower? No, it's gross. It's absolutely it's gross, too. But, yeah, just this, this weird double standard. It's, like, it's the whole we... hire more women guards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, can we just, like, be better people? Yeah, exactly. It's like when you see ICE retweet or, like, tweet out something on, like, uh, it's International Women's Day. Look at our women deportation racist officers. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I think Nightcrawler's a great choice. It is very much a dudes rock compendium piece <laughs> to I care a lot of girls rock totally. kind of thing. To uh, borrow your own language. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not mine personally. I definitely. But I mean, I got that it up. from you. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's that. If if I ever say anything that sounds like something that the cool kids say or the youth got it from say, Twitter.com. I got it from you, which you got from a mix of Twitter and your sister. True. It was a lot more My plugged in. My millennial sister. Oh, it's gonna really suck when she hits her late twenties because then we won't have that pipeline anymore. Ugh. Tell me about oh, it. Rude. Okay, that's a great one. Um, I was wrestling, too, over what to recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually have a bonus recommendation on top of Hell my yeah. normal recommendation. But it's our podcast to do what we want. Exactly. Yeah. This is us uh, girls rocking. Yes. Go <laughs> bosom. Uh, okay, this is uh, for the movie. I want to recommend a movie that I think we saw after we stopped doing the podcast for a little while. I'm pretty sure. Or if we did, we, we just never got to it. But this is 2019's Bliss by Joe Bagos. And when I said that, you thought, like, you're like, wait, did Jeff Bezos direct this? <laughs> but yeah, my, my brain had to do a thing where it's like, no, yeah. that isn't, you did not hear the yeah. name, you just thought you heard. Yeah. This is a uh, sort of like modern bisexual vampire story kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I fucking love this movie. It's I love so the good. soundtrack. I love the way it's shot. I need to see it again. I've only seen yeah. it the one time. The performances sometimes aren't the most convincing by some people, right. but it serves the movie fine. Like I, I think I, I think it's great. I think it's there excellent. are there are definitely people in this movie that shine though. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck me, I really love this movie. I I loved the uh, trailer that described it as. Um, Gaspar Noe by way of Abel Ferrara, and I'm just like, <laughs> like I've sold. never seen a description that sums up what I want out of a movie better than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I highly recommend it, and it ties in because the main character is kind of shitty to people, kind both of. in um, terms of at the start when we're first developing the character, and when uh, the turn happens and there's vampirism and the mental deterioration. At no point do I think this person, you think, like, this person's shitty or sucks. Um, or no point does this person uh, necessarily learn lessons, but I feel like it's a big spiral thing, and yes. it works fantastic like that. Like, I don't think this is a movie to really moralize about characters too much, so much as enjoy the ride and appreciate maybe what it says about the creative process, and also mm. there's a huge... I think the thing that maybe makes this character a dirtbag in of broader public consciousness, and something I heartily disagree with, is she's a drug addict. Right. I don't know if we've probably mentioned on the podcast before. I have a huge problem with the way drug addicts are depicted in things. Mm-hmm. And drug user, even yeah, drug the word addict yeah. is is Thank charged you. and yeah. problematic. So yeah. yeah, it's usually like you know drug users, people who use drugs, or like PUD. I think is the abbreviation I see in a lot okay, of like academic yeah. literature. And that stuff. is good to know. Thank you. Yeah, because yeah, I, I don't think being an addict to something should be charged mm-hmm. or like be this like yeah. hold a moral weight. But you're absolutely right. It yeah, obviously it's like a different like, like category of 100%. person is sometimes completely dehumanized. Yeah. 
Okay, fair enough. Yes. Yeah, but so, yeah. Sorry, I'm not trying to call you. Like, no, I, no, I, I used to I, see that word used, but just I guess as I, we're talking about this, I like, appreciate be aware. it. Say it because <laughs> yeah. I'd rather you say it than just be yeah. like, hey, I'm gonna have to rock the boat. You can just say what you want. Yeah, no. That was the it, weird, it, like, it that was little... the worst impression of you I've ever done. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I sound exactly like that. What are you talking uh, 100%. about? But yeah, so Bliss, check it out. Um, I know a lot of people love this movie, and it's great. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bonus recommendation. Mm-hmm. This is uh, for the book club nerds out there, and for our fabled Patreon that definitely totally exists. 100% <laughs> you guys. Why haven't you signed up to our Patreon? That we're is giving, definitely We're giving real. you a, a taste of what will be when we finally um, get around to it. Yeah, we're thinking of different things we could do, and I thought, like, okay, let's also maybe dip into other forms of media. Mm-hmm. That could be interesting. So, it's a book that I had to study in my English degree. Thank you so much, Dana. Dana, <laughs> Dana, you're a great instructor for my uh, gender and sexuality class in the English department. We read Angela Carter's The Passion of New Eve from 1977. Take the New York art scene, filter it through Fallout and Escape from New York <laughs> and Mad Max in a very metropolistic kind of way. Throw in some gender confusion, uh, some scum manifesto on top of it, and forced feminization. And you have one of the best novels I've ever fucking Peppered read. with a little bit of like BDSM from the sounds of yeah, it. Yeah, there's of masochism in there, there's gender essentialism, there's like... This is everything. Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. This is <laughs> Stefan going, this is everything. This, this, this book has everything. Yeah. I fucking love this book, and I've only read it the once, so it might be super problematic. I don't remember, but given who put it in the class... I think anything problematic was deliberately. It would have been like this is yeah. Let's this is discuss something we're going to discuss yeah. and critique and yeah, problematize it, and and and. But holy hell, do I love this novel? And just when I was like reading the blurb, when thinking should I recommend it, it's like, well, I know what I'm rereading this week. Yeah, you're saying like, it's all coming back to yeah, me. I forgot like, about I'm this. I'm fucking rereading this book because yeah, because loves to borrow it from. It's on like Audible or other uh, like it's audiobooks of it and okay. um, it's maybe not the a, library. Yeah, it's it. not a long read either. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but yeah, once I get through it again, definitely borrow it. Okay. And read it this time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think I've lent you two novels, and I think neither of them were read. Probably not. I mean, the life I, of I'm a just as bad. Uh, I have a <laughs> shout-out to my friend who gives me graphic novels for my birthday that I sit on and don't read for ages until Oops. I finally do, and then when I finally get to it, I'm just like, this like, is so This great. is years late, but that yeah, was great. That Thank was you so great. much. So, yes, I promise, I promise, promise, at some point I'll read Berlin. I, I promise I will. Okay, anyway, so that's it for this week. I think next week... If it times out how we're planning it, we might actually be releasing one of the episodes we recorded last time around, last year, yes. like a year ago, that when we were originally thinking, oh, let's get back to it, but we never actually posted it, mm-hmm. didn't edit it. So I'm going to take a look through it, see if it's worth posting. We'll probably record a bit of new material just yes. so it even makes sense contextually. But uh, yeah, so it'll be new to you kind of thing. It'll be stuff we talked about a while ago, mm-hmm. but uh, it's... It's timely, and it'll be fresh for our listeners, because we haven't released or talked about anything that's in it. So, that'll be good. All right, well, that'll be it for this week. And, yeah. Yeah, happy remainder of Pride Month. Take it easy, keep it sleazy, the usual. Yeah, yeah, yeah.